Grace and mercy and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Amen. We just watched Jesus die on the cross. We, we saw a rendition of it. Personally, in my, in my gut, I don't like watching that. I don't. And, and in all honesty, I don't like that my kids have to watch that. Most of us would much prefer the Christian story to be one that's nice and soft and cuddly and, and, and happy. We don't like to think that Jesus had to suffer and die for us, and yet that is the reality. Because when we know the reality of this broken world, we know that this is a world filled with suffering and dying. And yet that is the world precisely that the Father sent His Son to in order to rescue it and redeem it and save it. This is the story, this is the purpose for which Jesus came, to rescue and redeem us from suffering and death. During Holy Week, as a church, we've been focusing on this Greek word, Tetelestai. I'll put it on the screen. Tetelestai. You heard Jesus say this word in John chapter 19, verse 30, when he was hanging on the cross. In English, it is, it is finished. It is finished in Greek. It sounds like this, Tetelestai. And what we've been doing is focusing one word at a time on Palm Sunday, the word it, last night is, today finished and on Easter we'll put the whole picture together. It is finished. The work of Jesus to save sinners. It is finished here on the cross. Now to tell us die, this is kind of the long form of the word. Uh, it's conjugated into the certain uh, into this certain form. The base of this word is this word teleo. Teleo. And I and I tell you this because teleo is an important word in the Gospel of John from start to finish. And it does indeed mean to finish. Teleo means to finish. But not in a defeatist kind of way, in a I have accomplished my purpose sort of way. Teleo is a word all about accomplishing purpose, accomplishing purpose, accomplishing your mission. It's important for us to know this because when Jesus says on the cross, it is finished. This is him speaking positively about fulfilling the purpose for which the Father sent him into this world. Otherwise, I think our modern American uh, ears hear that word finished, and we think almost like a defeatist kind of attitude. Like you look at the cross and see this tired, weak Jesus and say, yeah, he's finished, he's done. Yeah, he needed to die. Some might say that. Or maybe you even have that word finished as like a sigh of relief. Like you've got a great big project to do. It gets done. I'm finished. Boom. Never look at it again. That is not what teleo means. Teleo is a word all about accomplishing purpose and a purpose which is bigger than yourself, a purpose which lives on. It is finished. When Jesus says that, it is not a word of defeat 
When Jesus says it is finished, it's a word of victory, a word of victory, because he has accomplished for the purpose for which he came. He came to accomplish his purpose. Now, what is that purpose? What is the purpose that Jesus came for? This afternoon, I want to do kind of a brief overview of the Gospel of John. I don't want to get too into the details, but for those of you uh, who have a Bible with you, if you have a Bible, you might want to take it out. I'm going to highlight three moments in the Gospel of John, in the Gospel of John, uh, that, that, that indicate and show us the work, the purpose of Jesus that he came to fulfill. If you don't have a Bible, you might want to, I'll put key phrases up on the screen, and you might want to jot these down and look at them later. But even better than that, here's my encouragement. What if, as a church, the best way to understand the purpose that Jesus is fulfilling is just to read the whole Gospel of John? So maybe as a church, what we could do tonight and tomorrow is just go home and read the whole Gospel of John. It won't take you that long, okay? You can read a whole book in the Bible. Let's do that between now and Easter, and you will see from start to finish, Jesus working on fulfilling his purpose. But let me highlight three moments for you. Three moments. First of all, right away, in the, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, John the Baptist, which, by the way, is a different John than who writes this Gospel. John, who writes it, is a disciple. Uh, John the Baptist is a relative of Jesus. So John the Baptist is down by the Jordan River, baptizing Jewish people for repentance. Jesus comes walking down, and John the Baptist looks at his relative, and he says this, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Again, as Christian people or American readers of this, we go, okay, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Neat. Maybe if you grew up in a Lutheran church, you're singing the tune in your head, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But what does that even mean? <laughs> what does that mean for us? You see, those Jews who were there by the Jordan River who heard John say this and pointed at a man, you know what they're thinking? If they hear Lamb of God, they are thinking Passover. And at the Passover, what happens? A lamb's life is killed, or a lamb is killed in order that your life can be spared. A lamb dies in order that your life can be spared. So when John says this man is the Lamb of God, what is he indicating? This man is going to die. For what? In order to take away the sin of who? The world. The world. So right from the very beginning of this story, it is indicated that the purpose of Jesus is to die. His purpose is to die. His purpose is to die. But along the way, Jesus reveals some other things about himself. Let me share with you two examples. In John chapter 4, in John chapter 4, Jesus is in the region of Samaria, and he meets a Samaritan woman at a well who is an adulterer. A Samaritan woman who is an adulterer. There are three things that are societally wrong with this picture that Jesus is doing. One, Jesus is publicly, as a man, speaking to a woman who is not his wife. You don't do that in Jewish culture. 
Men don't, don't speak to women who are not their wives. One, that's what Jesus did. Two, who is she? She's a Samaritan. Samaritans are like a, a, like, a, like a half-breed Jew, like a not-full Jew. Jews didn't really associate with Samaritans. So Jesus is speaking to a woman who is a Samaritan. That Jews don't do that. And finally, who is she? She's an adulterer, sleeping around. It's, it's known in town who this woman is. In their conversation, Jesus extends to her, to this woman, grace, mercy, and forgiveness because she is repentant. It's a beautiful scene. I'd encourage you to go home and read it. But right after this, Jesus' disciples come to him and they say, Jesus, do you want something to eat? And Jesus responds with kind of a a peculiar response, but he says this, my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That word accomplish is that Greek word teleo. Teleo, to finish something, to accomplish your purpose, right? So Jesus says the thing that fills him up instead of food, the thing that gives him purpose and meaning, that satisfies him, is doing the will of the Father in this world. And then he goes on in chapter 4 to describe this harvest imagery, a harvest. I'm not a farmer, but I kind of get the gist of it. Grain being collected. And so what is Jesus saying? The will of the Father is to come and gather and collect who the lost the least the outcast the forgotten about the societal outcast god has sent his son into this world to gather and redeem them remember he is the lamb of god who came to take away the sins of who the world the world let me share with you one more example it's in the next chapter john chapter 5 john chapter 5 jesus is now in jerusalem for a festival at the beginning of his ministry, and it's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. And what do you not do on the Sabbath? You do no work. And according to Jewish custom, if you did work on the Sabbath, you were subject to even be killed. All right. So Jesus is with his disciples, and it begins like this in John chapter 5, verse 2. Now there in there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, and in Aramaic, that place is called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now one man who was there who had been invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, Jesus said to him, do you want to be healed? The man wanted to be healed. So what did Jesus do? He healed him. He gave the paralyzed man the ability to walk. The Jews see Jesus do this. They claim that his healing is breaking the Sabbath, right? Jesus goes on with a long explanation about why he did what he did, and it culminates in verse 36 where he says this. The testimony that I have is greater than that of John the Baptist. For the works that the Father has given to me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, they bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Jesus once again says the word accomplish. That is the word teleo, teleo. I have come to do the will of the Father. Now look at this. What did Jesus do when he healed the paralyzed man? We might say he gave the paralyzed man the ability to walk again, which he did. But even more than that, this man had been an outcast from society. He was not allowed in to the worship. 
He, had, he, was, he was outcast from society. So when Jesus heals him physically, he also restores him back into the community and back into the family. He's been an outcast for 38 years, never accepted by his family, not seen as worthwhile by the local community. Can any of you relate? Can any of you relate? Maybe we have at different times. Well, now, because of Jesus, he is restored back into the family by the grace and mercy of Jesus. In these examples that I have given to you, the purpose for which Jesus came is to gather, to heal, to restore, and ultimately to forgive. Friends, I could give you many examples in the Gospel of John alone that indicate the purpose that Jesus came for. But I needed to show you a few examples so that when you see Jesus hang his head on the cross, give up his spirit and say, it is finished. He is not defeated. He is not giving up. He is declaring victory because he has fulfilled his father's purpose. And this, my dear friends, is where it gets real for you. This is where it gets real for you for your family, for your neighbors, for the world. So listen carefully. The purpose of the Father in sending His Son into this world was, yes, first of all, to forgive people of their sins. To forgive you. It is finished. Forgiveness is yours. But that is not the end goal. That is not the end. The end of Jesus coming into this world is to usher in a new kingdom a new heaven, a new earth, a restored paradise. Think Garden of Eden, but even better. Life restored, raised from the dead. And when we track along with Jesus in what he is doing in his ministry, we get a glimpse of what that paradise will look like and ultimately who will be there. So in the examples I gave you tonight, who's going to be there? outcasts, adulterers, sinners, the sick, the dying, murderers, thieves, liars, cheats, betrayers, deniers, you, me, sharing in the glory of eternity. Why? Not because of anything that we can do, but because of what he has done for us. Because on the cross, on that hill called Golgotha, the Lamb of God graciously, mercifully, sacrificially gave up his life so you could have life now and forever for all people. The sins of the world Jesus came for. Therefore, I tell you, I tell you, because of what Jesus has accomplished, what he has done, what he has finished, means that it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what you have left undone. It doesn't matter what you have said. It doesn't matter what kind of family you were born into. It doesn't matter what kind of afflictions have been on your life. It doesn't matter who you have associated with, past, present, or future. It means that the death of Jesus Christ has accomplished your forgiveness. It is finished, done, paid for, nothing for you to do. You cannot earn this. Christ does it for you. 
The whole purpose of Jesus living in this life was to give up his life, to die for you, to welcome, to restore, to forgive, to bring you into his family. So welcome, welcome sinners into the family of God. At the conclusion of this sermon, we, were, we will do what has become a bit of a tradition here at our church. And I will invite you to come forward and pound a nail into this cross. I will move this cross down forward. And just practically speaking, the way this will work is there's not going to be a dismissal. Uh, you're just welcome to stand up from where you are and to come on up and to pound a nail into the cross and then go back to your seat uh, around the side aisle. We've got three hammers up here. We can have multiple hammers uh, going on at one time. And the purpose of doing this is to remember that it is our sin that held Jesus to the cross. And so those nails represent our sin being forgiven. So no matter who is here, whatever age you are, children, yes, please, if you are able, pound a nail into the cross Parents, if your kids need a little help, help them. If your kids are too small to do it, do it for them because, yes, even they have sin that needs to be forgiven, and it is through Jesus Christ. After all of that is said and done, again, we just ask you to, as best as you can, sit silently in your seats. We will conclude by praying together the Lord's Prayer, and I will sing, Were You There? After that, we will dismiss in silence, knowing that we're going to come back on Sunday. One thing is different this year, though. For those of you who have been with us year after year, this cross is uh, seven or eight years old, and we've been pounding rugged nails into this cross, big kind of fat uh, nails year after year. Some of these holes are big. Today, we're focusing on that word finish, right? Taleo. So, guess what? Today, I brought finishing nails. (laughs) Finishing nails, all right? They're a little bit different. Uh, but here's, here's an interesting image. Think about this. What do you do with a finishing nail? When you pound in finishing nails, they go all the way in, right? There's not even a head on them to be able to pull them out. Uh, just a practical point, though. Please don't pound them all the way in because we do need to take them out for the next service, okay? So, um, but, but with that being said, what do you do with a finishing nail? You pound it all the way in, and then oftentimes we even cover up the end of it with wood putty, never to be seen again, right? That's what they thought they were doing with Jesus. They heard him say it's finished. They thought it was done, over with. They put him in a grave, sealed it up, masked it with a stone. They thought, ha, good, it is finished. Well, Jesus has something else to say about that, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Look at this. Um, I, I left one of the boxes up here even. On the front of the box, it even says, this has a bright finish. A bright finish, and, and that it does. Those of you who know the story know that this is not the end. It doesn't end dark, it ends bright for Jesus and ultimately for you, for you, for you, for you. Just because Jesus said it is finished didn't mean he was done doing things. Far from it. Far from it. You see, because if Jesus stayed dead, what kind of king would he be? If Jesus remained dead, what I have just told you about this future kingdom and this restored paradise, what would it be? It would not be. If Jesus remains dead, he is a liar, and nothing that I have just said to you is true. It all hinges on this. What happens next? So tonight, maybe it could just be said like this. It is finished to be continued. And if you want to know when it's continued, you can come gather here on Sunday morning at 8.30 or at 11. 
And there's going to be people here. And I'm going to continue the story. I encourage you to do that. It is finished to be continued. But for now, know this. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You are welcome. You are welcome, precious children, into the family of God. But for now, we remember what it is that Jesus has done for us. In his name, amen.